Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, leading people into the Christ-centered life. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. Well, good morning. It's always amazing to come to church and uh, be able to quiet our hearts just like we just did. Uh, and to offer ourselves as an offering to God, not just through our finances, but just to quiet our hearts like that. Love it. We come here to sing, we worship, we dance a little bit. Some of you folks need to work on rhythm, but that's another whole conversation. Uh, but it's great to see the kids up here and just the great things that God is doing in and through this church. And you know what's awesome, you guys, when we talk about the powerful name of Jesus and just the celebration in that. And I just want to shout it out when we sing that song. There's such a powerful message in there. And uh, that gives us hope, and it gives us encouragement. And we're glad you are here today. And this morning, we are going to be talking about marriage and uh, this whole idea of what does marriage look like. Now, I want you to understand this. Just because you may not be married today, this message is still going to be relevant to your life today. Because we're looking at what marriage looks like when we are focusing on Christ, but also what our relationships can look like when we're focusing on Christ as well. Marriage is, is a topic in the church that uh, we need to discuss more on. And I will qualify this right up front by saying this. I am not an expert in this field. Uh, I've been married for 12 years, coming up in November. And I'm learning and growing as I go. And uh, I'm the first to say that for sure. And what I want to prepare us for as we get into this message is that let the Holy Spirit come and speak to you. Because if we're going to be really honest about this, there are marriages in our midst today that are struggling mightily, that are going through some tough times. And I think sometimes in the church, we don't necessarily talk about these things. And I want us to start the conversation. I know it's begun before I got here. We want to continue to build the momentum going forward as well. So as you've come today, and you're already dreading this already because you're going, whoa, what does this look, look, look like? We're not looking for perfection. We're not looking for, any, for anything like that. We're asking you to simply say this, to be open as the Holy Spirit leads you in your marriage and what's going on. Because if we can come together in a community where we can find support and resources to come alongside, I think we're better off for it. Uh, because you are not alone in this at all. You are not alone in this. I need to capture that and understand that. And we're gonna dive through the word of God and we're gonna learn some things today, but we're gonna really focus on what Jesus can do in our lives and through our relationships. Now, before we get into this marriage conversation. I'm wanting us to watch a video. We're watching a video this morning. It's a spoof on a HGTV show. Many of you might have heard about it already. I won't say much about it from there. I'll let you watch the video and then we'll go from there. Let's play that video, please. We're Chet and Susanna Baines. As marriage experts, we specialize in home modifications, which will help you improve the feng shui of your marriage. Because home is where the heart is, we update, construct, and remodel your nightmare and flip it into the marriage of your dreams. We are the Marriage Fixer Uppers. So guys, tell me exactly what's been going on. I feel like... He shuts down and never wants to talk about how he's feeling. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to tear down that wall. Really open it up in here. Perfect. That's what I want. She doesn't understand the pressures I have at work. It's a lot to bear. I have to do it on my own. You definitely have a load-bearing issue, that's for sure. But don't worry. Huh. Where is that stud? 
Exactly. Where's the stud I married? The one that Here we go me. again, talking about how I've let myself go. I you know how many wads I do? Oh, like, oh, Here's why you're going to get started right myself. away. Hey! Huh, looks like you got shiplap under here. Knowing your marriage is kind of like this new light fixture I just installed. Well, it's actually like this light bulb. You get what I'm saying? Are you saying I need a new light bulb? What? No, 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 no. Your marriage just needs a little spark. Are you even an electrician? No, it's just anecdotal marriage analogies. That's what counts. <laughs> what in the world is that? Those are the new his and her toilets. You see, marriage is about opening up and sharing everything together. We like to call it sharing our marriage bowels. A couple that goes together grows together. So guys, we don't have a lot of money left in the budget. It's starting to sound a little bit like our marriage. <laughs> Am I right? No. <clears throat> but with the leftover money, you have one of three options to choose. Number one, we have a beautiful walk-in closet for the master bedroom. Here we have a man cave with theater seating. That one sounds good to me. Just like you to think about yourself. Oh, come on, guys. This is about talking, listening, making a decision together. And number three, a brand new in-ground swimming pool. Oh, yeah. That sounds like a nice compromise. Why is Chet shirtless? Well, I have a pool company, too. Just got my chest waxed. Walk-in closet sounds great. Are you guys ready to see the latest addition to your lovely home? Yeah. yeah. They are sure to bring this marriage back to good. Ta-da! <laughs> what is this? It's a dog. Hey. See, nothing brings a couple closer together than having a common purpose, like being able to take care of a dog. Gets you more responsibility when it comes to taking care of the kids. The kids? No! no. Whose kids are these? You can't be serious. Oh, hey, don't worry. We're turning John's office into a guest suite, so when the in-laws come to move in, you know, everything will be taken care of. You got rid of my office? Oh, come on, like you ever did any work in there. Not now, Brooke. Mommy and Daddy are fighting again. Oh, no. I told you guys you weren't ready for kids. These aren't our kids. Well, it looks like our work is done here. Good job, honey. Yeah, there's a lot of potential there. All right, kind of funny truths in there, eh? Uh, you know, it's interesting about marriage. Uh, we can all use a little fixing up, in, and, and that's a good thing. Nothing wrong with that. And, uh, uh, and that video was just to kind of get the, the blood flowing a little bit as we talk about this. I'm going to, in a minute, I'm going to call a, cup, uh, a couple up, uh, Larry and Nancy Burgess, in a second, and I'm going to do a quick interview with them. Uh, they are a part of a uh, seminar they teach. Uh, it's a marriage course. And uh, they're going to talk about that in a little bit. I just want to set that up for you guys because they're going to talk about their heart behind why they do what they do. And I think it's a great resource. And uh, I'm going to call them up right now, Larry and Nancy Burgess. If you don't know them, here they are. Give them a hand as they come on up here. Laura and I have had the opportunity to get to know Larry and Nancy on, on a very personal level. Uh, they, took the, they teach the marriage course, and before we interview them, I want you guys to know, and Laura and I took the course as well, because we wanted to, to know with credibility to stand up in front or anybody ever asked us what the marriage course is all about. 
Uh, was our marriage in trouble? No. We took it because we wanted to understand what these guys are teaching so we can say that it's a great course. And I can say, and Laura will say as well, we went in not knowing what to expect, but we walked away going, wow, that was really, really powerful and very practical. So they are here today, and we are going to ask them a few questions. There's a mic for you. Larry and Nancy, thanks for being here. So a couple of questions for you guys this morning. Why are you two so passionate about marriage? Well, Mesh, this is my second marriage. Nancy is my second marriage. My first marriage ended in a catastrophic divorce 40 years ago. And at the time, as I worked through that, I acknowledged my role and all the mistakes I made, and I decided to learn from those mistakes. So when I met Nancy and we became married, I vowed that it was I'd do all I could to just make it the best marriage possible. And I'm Nancy, and I've been married to Larry for 35 years. And has it been perfect? No. We've had our ups and downs, certainly. And we have learned to allow the problems to pull us together instead of push us apart. We are not just surviving in marriage. We are thriving in marriage. And uh, that is really special. Now, you refer to yourselves as mentors, not counselors. So what's the difference? That's right. We are not uh, trained counselors. We are certified mentors. And mentors are simply just someone who, an older couple, uh-huh, that uh, <laughs> have experience. I cover mine. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, just a couple that have been through many seasons in life. We have weathered many storms, and we have a great marriage in spite of all of that. And we are passionate to uh, encourage other couples. As mentors, our roles are, number one, to encourage the couple that we're mentoring. Number two, to provide them with tools. And the marriage course is one of those tools. And third of all, to model what a great marriage looks like. Who is the marriage course suited for? Well, the marriage course is really suited for any couple, regardless of what stage of life you're in. So if things are going great, uh, if you're stuck in a rut, or even if you're going through problems, the marriage course will help take you to the next level. And we also offer a course for newly engaged or newly married people to get them started on the right track, hopefully, or give them some tools. Do you find couples are, are hesitant to take the course? And why oh. would that be? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They are terrified that they will have to divulge something mm. personal in a group setting. Or they're even more terrified that their partner will diverge, divulge something personal <laughs> in their setting. <laughs> and they're also afraid that people will think that their marriage is on the rocks if uh, they find out they're taking the marriage course. And none of that is true. As I said, it's for any stage of marriage. And the only person that you would be talking to during the marriage course is your own partner. We 100% give you the confidentiality and privacy that you need. What is the format for the marriage course and what are the topics that are covered? Uh, the course is for seven weeks and we will do it in our home. Uh, anywhere from one to three couples is a good number. If we have more than that, we can do it here at the church. And the seven weeks, the topics are covered. Number one is foundations, and you talk about how you met and what attracted you. Number two is learning communication skills. Number three is conflict resolution. Number four is the power of forgiveness. 
Number five is the impact of your family, both past and present. Number six is good sex. And number seven is love in action. <laughs> please, please don't do that again. She likes number six. <laughs> good, good night, everybody. What, what does it cost? And how can people get more information about the marriage course? The cost of the course is only $20, and that covers the expenses of the workbooks. Am I supposed to say something else? <laughs> and we'll be in the foyer with more information after the service. Hold on. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Uh, Larry and Nancy have a heart for marriage, and it's, it's an amazing resource they provide. And when Laura and I went through the course, we were just amazed at just the journey they've been on, the honesty they shared. And as they mentioned, you're not in a room talking with a bunch of other couples, you're talking with your spouse. And you work through some pretty amazing things. So if you get a chance to connect with that for service, please do that. And, uh, and if you uh, don't want to connect there in the, in the foyer after service because you might be feeling, well, I don't want people to have seen me or et cetera, you know, we can get you their number, we can connect you as well, and we're going to be talking about later on in the sermon here about how you can get uh, resources provided for you as well. Let me pray for you guys, and we'll let you guys go. Father, thank you for Larry and Nancy. Thank you for the journey that you put them on. And Lord, as they continue to walk with couples, give them wisdom, give them strength, give them energy and insight. And even for couples now that are considering taking the marriage course, I pray, Jesus, you prepare that. As we dive into the rest of your word, Lord, we pray for your guidance and the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We got a lot to cover, and uh, today's topic is called Marriage SOS, and if you've got the Bible in front of you, we're looking at page 1177 out of Ephesians 6. If you want to turn there, you can go ahead and do that. Marriage has been under attack from day one. Uh, we look at the Garden of Eden, what took place in there, and the enemy of our soul came along to distort God's truth and to attack marriages. So it's been going on for a long time. That's when the first shots were fired. We're in the garden, and we can read out of the Bible what it says. Now, out of Genesis 3, now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animals. The Lord God had made, he said to the women, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The women said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit of the tree in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it. If you do, you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. See, it's amazing that Satan started there uh, to attack marriages. So this has been going on for centuries, for many, many years. This isn't new, but we've got to start thinking about what can we do and how has God equipped us to handle these things. What's incredible is that Jesus himself called Satan a murderer from the beginning. The Bible says this, the devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. Capture that. There is no truth in him whatsoever. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. See, most of us in this room know, know the English language. Uh, we can speak that, but we all have a native tongue potentially somewhere. Satan's native language is to lie. Like, capture that for a second. That's the language he knows. That's what he tries to do by distorting the truth into people's lives. And that's what the enemy will do. And we need to recognize that uh, we are under a spiritual attack. And 
sometimes in the church we can talk about the enemy and say, well, there's not a demon behind every door. Uh, and yet sometimes we ignore Satan as well. And I'm not giving Satan any credit whatsoever, but I'm saying this though. His job and his purpose in this world is to distract us and destroy us as Christ followers. C.S. Lewis says this, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. See, sometimes we think about Satan too much or we don't give where there's due where we need to because he is out to destroy and attack us. Now, as we dive into the word today, we're going to be talking about how Satan does use certain things, but God has given us the ability to say no, to take ground back from Satan as well. In the Bible, the Apostle Paul laid out a bunch of different ways and relationships and how we should be uh, going about those things, including marriage in Ephesians 4. And he pointed to us that in our relationships, as we encounter them together, there is an enemy of our soul. See, Satan does not practice open warfare. He doesn't do that. He doesn't come face to face to us and say, I'm out to get you. He advances in the dark. He's covert. That's what he does and that's what he knows. And it's a lot easier when you can see your enemy coming. But when you can't see your enemy coming and they're operating in the dark, we don't know necessarily the schemes and the plans that they may have. Satan has been after us and has been God's ancient foe from day one. And it's something we need to consider and remind ourselves that we are in a battle, folks. The Bible says that very clearly, that we are in a, bio, in a battle. The Bible says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. So we are told that we should stand firm. And it says in the Bible too, in Ephesians 6, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against the flesh and the blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Let's capture that for a second. First, it says, finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. That gives us hope, that gives us encouragement. And yet we are told that our battle is not in the flesh and blood. It is a spiritual battle that we are involved in. Now recognize this, we understand that Jesus has won the war. Victory is his, absolutely. He said no to death, the cross is empty, and one day he will be coming back. And that gives us hope and encouragement. But Satan is a great poker player. He will try to call our bluff in this life. And he will do what he can to distract us and destroy us as we follow Jesus. Now, if you have your Bible, we're looking at Ephesians 6. And the scripture's right there. And it talks about putting on the full armor of God. And let's read this together. Ephesians 6. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand... Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up your shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, 
which is the word of God. So as you think about this and you look at the Bible and it talks about the armor of God, that we are in a battle, we are called to put on the armor of God. Maybe you've never heard about this teaching before. Maybe you never understood what it actually means. And we're going to unpack that this morning in the context of our marriages, in our relationships with other people, in our journey with Jesus as well. See, if I was playing football or any other sport or doing any of these jobs, I would put on protective clothing, wouldn't I? To protect myself, to make sure I wouldn't get injured. Uh, because that's what we're called to do. And the Bible is telling us that we should put on the spiritual armor that will protect us in the battles that we are in daily. Especially when it comes to relationships with people in our marriages. The enemy will do what he can to dissuade us, to distract us, to destroy us. And he will start in our marriages. Because we see in the Bible, that's where he started as well. In the Garden of Eden. And we need to recognize that. That we are under attack. The armor of God is a part of the scripture, and it's a part of our journey. It's a part of our following of Christ as we put it on. And we're going to dive into that and what these things mean. Now, the belt of truth. Now, back in the day, the Roman soldier in Paul's day would not just wear a simple strap. It would be a very thick leather strap. It's different. It would protect them in all parts of their body. And the belt held the sword and the other weapons together. Now, the belt in scripture here is called the belt of truth. What's amazing, what's fitting about the belt of truth being the first thing in the armor is because we need to understand that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So if we know that truth, that Jesus says who he is, and we as Christ followers can bring that truth into our marriages, we already are winning the battle. Do you recognize the truth of who Christ is in your life? Do you understand that he represents truth? He represents truth in our lives. And when we put on the belt of truth, we can walk as Christ walked. The Bible says in 1 John that, but if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are with him and in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. See, marriages already has its challenges as it is. Relationships has its challenges. But if we can walk in the truth of our day-to-day life, knowing that Jesus is truth and he guides us in truth, including what we bring to our marriages, we are going to be better off. And the evil one will have less on us because we're living in the truth of who the gospel is. And that gospel is Jesus. We have freedom that comes when we know the truth. Also the truth in how we do our marriage vows with each other. Are we living those vows out with each other? I took my vows 12 years ago this November. It was a long time ago. But I'm so reminded as to what I was called to do as a husband. Have I failed in those areas? Absolutely. Am I still trying to uh, be a better husband? Absolutely. But it's only through the truth that I know in Christ that he can redeem me and everyone, including our marriages. And we need to understand that as we put on the belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness. Now, if you look at the breastplate, it guards the heart. And this righteousness that we're talking about here is not any righteousness of our own. It's the righteousness that comes through a faith in God. It's the righteousness that comes in through Jesus. See, when the enemy uses unforgiveness and he uses pride and other tactics in our life, anger, and the list can go on, and those things can be weapons used against us because we are not living in the righteousness that comes through Jesus. See, when we have Christ, our marriages can be protected. 
because we have the breastplate of righteousness and we are understanding that Jesus died on the cross for us. It is his righteousness that we live in and through. It's nothing we can do of ourselves. And I think sometimes we think we're all better than we actually are. And we forget that we live today because of the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of Jesus. There's nothing I can do to earn that. But we have to understand that the enemy will do what he can to attack our marriages. And if we can understand and live with the breastplate of righteousness that's protecting our hearts, we are going to be better off in this life. And our marriages are going to be protected because we are trying to conform to the image of Jesus. And that will come in our marriages as well. The gospel of peace. Now this refers to the stability and the peace that comes in when we have a proper understanding in our marriages and in our relationships what the gospel is and how important it is to share the gospel. That we should be fitted with this, that we should be ready. See, when we're focused on the gospel, especially as married couples, and we are focusing on building the kingdom, we are focusing on walking through the peace that comes in that, there's something said about that. We're unified, we're together. And the scripture talks about being ready. There's this understanding that we'll be readiness with vigilance, that we'll be ready to go when time comes to spread the word, to live in the peace and the hope that comes. In your marriage, as you think about where you are today, are you focused on the gospel together? Because if one is and the other one isn't, you will have division. And what does it mean to unpack the gospel in our lives, to live it out, to share the gospel with people that are far from Christ? See, we are called to be on mission, and we need to take our mission together. Now, does that mean we're going to be involved in the same areas of ministry? Not necessarily. But what it does mean is that wherever I'm involved in, wherever my spouse is involved in, we are unified together to build the kingdom, to build the kingdom for the gospel. And that's what we're called to do. As you think about your marriage, you think about where you're at today, are you there? Are you unified with your spouse or are you on totally different pages in terms of what it means to build the kingdom of God? See, we're not married for the sake of being married. We're married to bring glory to God in and through our relationships. So people can see that we are Christ followers, that we glorify God. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect in our journey, but it means that we have a thought process and we are making decisions and choices that will engage and build the kingdom. And I know couples that are struggling in that. One of the spouses is all in for the kingdom. And they've got a, quote, unquote, a normal secular job. And the, other, the spouse is not so much interested at all. There's nothing going on there. There's a disconnect. Because they, they stand in totally different places spiritually. And that's why we have to understand who Christ is in our life, including our relationships, our marriages, so we can understand that we are supposed to stand in the gap for this world so people can find the hope that comes in Christ. The shield of faith. Now, clearly a shield would be important for a soldier, wouldn't it? It would help take those attacks that come from the front or behind us. And it's meant to uh, be a barrier against the enemy that's attacking us. And it's the same thing in our spiritual life. As we think about walking in faith, as we talk about living in this idea of these arrows that are being thrown at us through the enemy, we need to have a shield, and that shield is faith in who? That faith is in Jesus. It's not a faith in mesh. It's not a faith in my wife. Not a faith in my kids. It's a faith in Christ. And that's what helps us become more faith-based in our marriages when we focus on that. 
See, sometimes in our lives, in our marriages, we can look at our marriages and our relationships as based upon performance versus being based upon grace and mercy. See, when we live in a performance-based relationship and it's all about what the other person is doing wrong, we are looking at this the wrong way. But we start looking through the eyes of faith and loving person in faith, that bitterness, that anger, that self-centeredness, that unforgiveness, the grudges that are being held will dissipate and fall off. But if you've come here this morning and you are feeling those ways towards your spouse, you're angry, you're bitter, you're upset, you're holding a grudge, whatever the case is, we need to check that and figure out what's going on. But if we can accept our spouses the way God has accepted us, it will make a huge difference in our relationships. It will make a huge difference in our relationships. The next thing we look at is the helmet of salvation. I love this because it talks about our salvation in God. When a soldier is suited up for battle, typically the helmet is the last thing that is put on. It's the final act of readiness. It's the final act to say, I'm ready to go. I'm going to dive in. See, when we put on the helmet of salvation, we understand that we are saved because of God's grace and mercy and a sacrifice on the cross. Let's not forget the enemy will use lies against us to tell us we aren't saved. We're not good enough. Everything we do is wrong and terrible. But please be reminded that your salvation in Christ is secure. And if you call yourself a Christ follower this morning, be excited about that. Be grateful for that. Because when we can understand that the humble salvation comes from Christ and we can join this battle because we are secure in our salvation. When a couple embraces their security in Jesus together, we understand our identity in Jesus is secure together. There's something to be said about that. There's a freedom that comes in our marriages. We're not looking for this other person to fill the emptiness in our soul. Because I'm going to say this straight up. No human being can fill the emptiness in your soul. Our kids can't do it. Our spouses can't do it. Only Jesus can do that. And that's hard to hear sometimes, but it's the truth. I've experienced it in my own life. I understand it. Christ can make a difference. And as you think about your marriage and your relationships and all the things that are going on, if we could put on that helmet of salvation and protect our mind from the, the thoughts and the evil one that comes towards us, and even the things we think about and we, we watch and we talk about, are we protecting our minds? Because the helmet of salvation is based upon who Jesus is. And the Bible says that we should take every thought captive. And maybe you're in a relationship today in your marriage where you are thinking about things that are not honoring to your spouse. And you're thinking those things all the time. And you're in a place of just anger and unforgiveness. I want to encourage you to say, Jesus loves you, first of all. And second of all, that the stuff you're thinking through, we can get past that. We can help you. And not because of anything I'm going to do, but the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why it says we should submit every thought to Christ. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is amazing because the sword of the spirit, if you look at the armor of God, is the only offensive weapon that is listed. And it's the word of God. And the word of God is powerful. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit and of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts of intention of the heart. The word is living and active, folks. It's double-edged sword. See, a Roman soldier was commonly 
they would have this sword, and it was double-edged, so they could penetrate when they were in battle. It would cut in every direction. And that's what the word of God does. It can cut to our hearts. It can illuminate to us the struggles we're going through. It can give us wisdom. It can give us encouragement. It can give us guidance and strength as we dive into these relationships around us. Because when you remember Jesus, when he was in the desert and he was being tempted, what did he lean into? He leaned into the word of God. And he used that as his first defense. And that is our defense when we think about our marriages and our struggles or what's going on. Are you in the word of God? Are you understanding that God's word can change your life? It can change your heart. It can change your marriage through the power of the Holy Spirit. If we're disengaged in our faith, if we are not actively seeking Christ out, and if we do not make Jesus a priority in our marriages and our own lives, we're going to be in trouble. Because we are walking away from the foundation that is the word of God and who Jesus is. And it's something we've got to consider and ask ourselves those hard questions. Is God's word central to our marriage? And if not, why not? Now, I will confess to you, the hit family, we have not been perfect in this. We have not spent every day of our marriage in God's word together. Absolutely not. However, we understand that we need to have Christ and his word in our marriage. And we try to example that to our children and to each other and our own lives as well. And I love the last part here. It talks about praying together. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. See, folks, if we pray together as couples, we are going to be better off. Because when we come to pray together, we're showing humility. We're showing honesty. We're showing that we don't have it all together. We're praying through situations. How often do you pray for your spouse? How often do you pray with your spouse? Because if we don't centralize prayer in our lives and we have a prayerless marriage, it will show in our marriage. And as we think about how you pray and how often you pray for your wife, I pray for Laura, my wife, who's sitting in the front row if you don't know who she is. I pray for her daily. I pray for my kids daily. Now, do we pray together every single day? We don't. However, it's a value in our family. We do do it. It's important to us. Because I recognize this, when I am struggling in my life, when I am not being a great husband, when I'm not being a great father, and I come and I say to Laura, we need to pray about X, Y, and Z, or pray about my spirit, or she needs to pray about some things as well, God does incredible things. And I am living a life not based upon my flesh. I am living through the power of Jesus. And that's the only way we can get through our relationships is through the power of Christ. See, if we're going to dive into spiritual warfare and our marriage is going to be successful, we have to understand that we are under attack. And that Satan will do whatever he can to destroy us, and he'll do whatever it takes to make sure we are being uninvested in our marriages. So a few questions for you today. What kinds of attacks has the enemy launched against your marriage in the recent days or months or years? Maybe this has been going on for years. Maybe it's been going on for a few months. I'm not sure. How did you respond to those attacks? How should you have responded? And as you think about what's going to be moving forward, how can you put on the armor of God this week in your marriage? Praying together, speaking more truth, being more encouraging. And I, I wanted to say this up front, and I'm going to say it here. This sermon is not a how-to improve your marriage. I'm not giving you tips in terms of here are the top ten reasons. Here are the top 
10 resources. I'm simply pointing you to scripture because we are in a spiritual battle. And I believe wholeheartedly that we need to start with our marriages with Christ. So the question I have this morning for you and for myself is simply this. Do you have a Christian marriage or do you have a Christ-centered marriage? And there's a difference. See, the difference is when we have a Christian marriage, we might go to church, we might be involved, and Jesus is kind of an afterthought. He kind of fits in here and there. But when we have a Christ-centered marriage, our, our decisions, our filters, everything we do will be based through the person of Jesus Christ in our marriages, and we will filter it through that. And when we are living a Christ-centered marriage, God can redeem anything, absolutely anything. I told Laura I was going to say this, and I'm going to say this up front to y'all. Our first three years of marriage were terrible. They were terrible. And I'm being honest about that. Because of my stuff, because of her stuff, and Jesus was not center to our marriage. Yet we've turned that all around. Through the power and the redemption of who Christ is. Not because of anything I did, not because of anything Laura did. It's because we decided if we're going to talk the talk, we've got to walk the walk as well. And Jesus has become central to our marriage. We have a Christ-centered marriage. And when we made that decision, it vastly changed our marriage. Like I could not tell you. I could tell you all day how incredibly redeemed we feel because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the difference you can make in your marriage as well. See, some of you are on the cusp of saying, I'm done. I'm walking out the door. I've had it. And we're saying to you today, no, you don't need to do that. Absolutely not. God can redeem your marriage. He can bring it from the brokenness. He can redeem it 100%. Now, here are top five marriage tips for you I'm going to give you right now. Here's number one, Jesus. Guess what number two is? Number three, four, and five? Jesus can redeem your marriage. And Satan will do what he can to destroy you. But if we can have a Christ-centered relationship and do these things about the spiritual armor and live in truth and live in the hope and the righteousness that comes in Jesus, we can save our marriages because of who Jesus is. And if you've come here today and you're feeling like you don't know what to do and your marriage is not Christ-centered, well, we've got something for you today. What happens now? See, I said this before. In the church, sometimes we don't talk about marriages and the brokenness that comes. And when Laura and I were struggling in our marriage early on, I looked around us. Everybody had an amazing marriage, apparently. Everybody did. And I go home and go, man, I am terrible. Because it seems like everybody else out there has the greatest marriage in the history of mankind. And that's what happened. I started asking the hard questions. I started going out for coffee. Started having couples over to her house. And when we shared our struggle, guess what that did? That opened up a door to say, you don't have to have it all together. The church is a place for the broken, not for the healed. That we're in this together. And it opened up conversations with people that have never shared anything about the struggle in the marriage they're having. And some of you are here today. Some of you are there today where you are struggling mightily and you don't know what to do. You don't know where to turn. And you think that in the church you can't do it because you will be judged or condemned because you don't love Jesus enough, you're not spiritual enough, you're not good enough. That is a lie from the pit. 
And he has been doing that from day one, and he'll continue to do that. And I want to encourage you, because I have seen God redeem marriages that you think are so broken that could never come back, and they've come back. Now, you might be at a different place. You might not be that bad off. You might be kind of struggling through some things. We're simply saying we want to offer you some tools, and this is what we're going to do. Very practical today. Take out your phones. If you have a phone, take it out. If you don't, that's fine. This is what we're going to do. You don't need this right now, but this is what we're going to offer you guys. You know when you text somebody? You know, you go to your text messages there and you plug in their address, etc. This is what we're doing today. We are offering something very practical today. We're going to ask you, if you are struggling in your marriage, if you need somebody to come alongside to coach and to mentor you, we want you to respond today or maybe later on this week. Maybe talk to your spouse and see the help that you need because it's okay to reach out. That's what the church is for. That's what the Larry and the Nancys of the world are about. I've talked to other mentoring couples from this church that are willing to come alongside. And anything you share will be confidential. I'll be sharing with the mentoring coaches, and we're going to set up an opportunity for you to connect with people to get help and support and encouragement. So this is what you do. You open up your text message. You open up a new message. Like, you all know how to do this, I think. If you don't text and you need to talk to somebody about this, you can come talk to me after service, and we will get you hooked up. We're using technology because apparently that's the way to go. So, you start a new message, and as you can see, it says on the two part, the top, you plug in that number, 393939. That's the phone number. So you plug it in there, and then you click on to the body of the text of the message on the bottom there. You can see there, on the bottom part, that's where you put down that code, EZVQP67065. We'll talk later. <laughs> and then in the body of the message, I want you to put hashtag marriage SOS and your name. That's it. And you send that text. I will receive it in an inbox today, and then we'll get the ball rolling. You put the code on top. You put that code in there. You put your name in, marriage SOS, and we get the ball rolling. That's it. And if afterwards you need that number, we can get you that number. We can write it down for you. If you want to do it later on, we can make it happen. We're going to put this on our Facebook page as well. Friends, this is simple, isn't it? But here's the thing. The enemy of our soul is going to attack us and do what he can to destroy us. But we're saying as a church, we're saying up front today, and it's gone on before I got here. It's been going on for years, but we're saying enough is enough. Let's take ground back from the enemy. Let's have marriages that are redeemed through the power of Jesus. And let's bring hope back into the situation you're going through. And if that's you today, and you need to text it in, I encourage you to do that. And if you're not able to text and you just want to chat about it, we can chat about it. I know we went a little long today. We had a lot going on. And we got a beautiful lunch waiting for us. But I believe this, folks. We are in a battle. And I don't say it. The Bible says we are in a battle. And do not minimize the work of the enemy. And if you've come here today and you need marriage SOS, you send out that signal, and we will do what we can to walk alongside you. And we will point you in a different direction if we need bigger, deeper resources. We will help. We will stand in the gap because that's what the church is all about. And I'm sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of couples having to go through this alone because they don't feel safe enough to share this in the church. Enough. And if you know a couple that is there today that just needs that help, and they're out here today, 
let them know about this texting service and what they can do. And we'll come alongside. This is an umbrella of mercy. And what I mean by that, there's no judgment. There is zero condemnation in this. Because none of us, I don't care who you are, what your title is, how much money you make, have it together. Do you get that? The only reason we are who we are today is because of one person, and that's Jesus. That's it. And he can redeem our marriages. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for uh, this time this morning. And uh, Lord, we recognize that we are in a battle. And we pray in Jesus' name right now that, Lord, you would give us the power of your Holy Spirit to take ground back from the enemy. Lord, we bring in front of you marriages that are broken, relationships that are hurting, couples that have a fight this morning, that have a fight this week, and are trying to figure out what to do next. Lord, I pray that you give them courage and strength. And God, if there's even one couple that comes forward today that says they need help, Father, I pray that you'd give them the strength they need and the courage to stand up to say enough is enough. Thank you for this church. Thank you for how you redeem so much in our life. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that we would continue to be a church where people can come in their brokenness. And I thank you that that's a value here. That's a part of our culture. And I pray we get even deeper into that, Lord, that we come. And so I pray, Jesus, now, you pour over us. Help us to minister one another. And Lord, for those couples who to go home and talk about where they're at, I pray for soft hearts as they talk. Pray for soft hearts in unity and protection. We ask this in Jesus' name. He is a good, good father. And when you look at the Garden of Eden and what took place there, and Satan did what he did, and Adam and Eve made their decision, they, and there's an interesting thing that happened there. It's the first game of hide-and-seek that took place because they hid from God, because they were shame. We don't need to hide from God, even in our marriages. There's no shame in who God is through the power of Jesus Christ. And if you come here this morning and you're in that place where you need to reach out, I encourage you to do so. There'll be folks available to pray with afterwards. We've got a lunch going on at the gym. If you want to need to chat, we can figure this thing out. You are not alone. Do you believe that? Because you're not alone. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you love us, you take care of us. And we pray as we reflect on marriage and what it means to be in relationship with each other that is unified in Christ. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd give us that. This week, even today in the conversations we're going to have, strengthen marriage, Jesus. Come and help us to focus on you and redeem the things we're going through, Lord Jesus. Thank you that we are loved by you. And Lord, as we're about to have a great meal, thank you for the hands that have prepared it. Thank you that we can hear about what you're doing in the world and in Thailand. We ask God you bless our time and the food. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for hanging in there. I know we went a little long. Be blessed. Have a great week.